Bismillah, Alhamdulillah, wa salatu wassalam wa rasulullah, wa ala alihi wa sabi ajma'in. Asyadu ala ilaha illallah, wa asyadu an muhammadin abduhu rasul ma'abad. You're listening to Islam Always, and we're always broadcasting 24 hours a day from right here in Northern Virginia. In our studios, this is a live broadcast to be rebroadcast in the future on our website at Islam yesterday.com and of course you can always go to Islam always, Islam tomorrow, hear Islam chat Islam, watch Islam dot com, all these sites are ours but the main center where you can always find what you always need is at Islam always I-S-L-A-M-A-L-W-Y-W-A-Y-S dot com spell that again <laughs> I-S-L-A-M A-L-W-A-Y-S dot com our website's open 24 hours a day and always plenty of free parking. One of the questions that came up a little while ago, one of our visitors to the website asked the question or made a statement more or less that he believes that religions are something invented by uh, people for the purpose of deception. And he feels like all religions are nothing more than deception. And uh, he may have a valid point as far as that goes because we have something in our book, in the Quran, that indicates that that very statement may be true. Let us consider what Allah says in his book. I'm going to quote it to you from the Quran, so uh, take, a, take a moment to consider. If you don't have a Quran already, go to our website and where it says free Quran, click on the links and see for yourself what the Quran teaches. You can download the Quran, put it on your own computer, then you can research it whether you're online or offline anytime you like. But in the Quran, there is a verse, a very beautiful verse, explaining exactly what our friend was stating about religions. And I want to talk about that right now. Keep in mind you're listening to Islam always. We're always open 24 hours a day. Here it is. Well, I'll try to show it to you. Those of you watching online, you can see it. What does it say? Inna dinan lahil islam. Say, this is a, a real important. It's uh, God Almighty, Allah, is telling us that the only deen He's going to accept is Islam. Now, for those who are not familiar with this, they might say, well, uh, you know, that's means nothing to me. Those are Arabic terms. And as we've been saying right along, our program is designed for those who are English speakers, the new Muslims, non-Muslims, so we have to break the terms down into the English language. In the book that I'm holding right here, if you look real close, I don't know if you'll be able to see it, it says, truly the religion with Allah is Islam. Alright, now, that translation is as good as you can get without giving the whole phrase. The phrase is very clear. The phrase means that in Arabic that Allah will not accept any religion at all. The way religion is really understood in the English language today is not what the word Islam means. It's not what the word deen means. Deen means a way of life. Deen means how a person does what they do. How they go through their life in their behavior. As we say in English, it's not the talk that you have, it's the walk that you have. We hear you talk to talk, but we need to see you walk to walk. And the walk that a person has through their life, their way, their walk, is their deen. 
And so Allah is saying here in the Quran, He was not accepting any walk of life except the one which He has prescribed. He's not going to allow a false religion to be invented. He's not going to allow a religion to be established by human beings and then they expect Him to uh, accept it. He's not going to accept it. The only walk, the only deen with Allah is Islam. Now we've been talking about translating this word deen to English. Now let's translate the word Islam. It's also an Arabic word. And Islam means five things. Surrender, submission, obedience, sincerity, and peace. And whoever is doing these five things between them and Almighty God is in fact doing Islam. Even if they don't know the Arabic, but they know there is a God and He's one. Not two, or three, or five, or 33,000. He is one God. He has no partners. Okay, that's first. Next, that the person is surrendering to God on God's terms. Submitting to God and doing what God wants him to do. This then ensures the person is following the right religion. Because it's not really a man-made religion anymore, is it? It's what God has ordained. God has commandments. Those commandments mustn't be broken. If a person breaks those commandments, he's not considered to be doing what Islam teaches him to do. This Islam actually is perfected at the time of Muhammad, but it came from the very first human being. When Adam was put on this earth, he was told and commanded by Allah, don't eat this such and such fruit. That meant that he couldn't do that. That he shouldn't do it. But yet he did it. So what would that indicate to us? That Adam is what? A human being just like you and I. And so, because of that, because of him being a human, not because he sinned, because he's human, he has to go through a life experience. Adam lived a longer life than we do. Adam was bigger than we are. But he was still the same inside. He was a human being making decisions on his own. He was being guided by a law as everybody has a chance to be guided by a law. But there are those who reject that guidance and when they do, then they are making the conscious choice to leave their state of deen or their walk of life in God's walk. In other words, they have left Islam. Meaning they have left the submission to God. I want to read to you a little bit more from the Quran so that you can understand this a little bit better. And it says, In Adina in the Lahil Islam. Truly the deen, the walk of life with the law is the submission to him in peace. Those who were given the Bible, the scripture, Jews and Christians, didn't differ. Ekhtilaf. That's the word differ or argue. Argue or fight with each other. They didn't fight or argue with each other except out of mutual jealousy. After knowledge had come to them. Meaning the knowledge of what I was just talking about. And whoever disbelieves in the proofs, evidences, signs and revelations of Allah, then for sure Allah will be swift in calling them to account. I'm going to read the next verse. Chapter 3, verse 20. So if they dispute with you, say, I have submitted myself to Allah. Aslam. Aslam to. Say to them, Aslam to. I have submitted myself to Allah. In Islam. And so have all of those who follow me. 
and say to those who were given the scripture before, the Jews and Christians, and to those who are illiterate, the pagans, Mushrikeen, etc. Do you also submit yourself in your walk to the way of God? The meaning, surrender to Allah. If they do, then they're rightly guided, but if they turn away, your duty is only to convey the message and Allah is all seer of his servants. Well, I think that's pretty clear. There is some reference. This is chapter 3, verse 19 and 20. There's a reference here, though, and it tells us to look to the third chapter, same chapter we're looking at already, and look to another verse, verse number 85. And it says, وَمَمْ يَبْتَغِي غَيْرُ الْإِسْلَامَ الدِّينَ فَلَا يُقْبَلَا مِنْهُ وَهُوَ فِي الْأَقِرْتِ مِنْ الْقَاسِرِينَ And the meaning of this one in the English language. I want you to hear what it says. It says, And whoever seeks a deen, a walk of life, other than Islam, the submission to God and His commandments, it will never be accepted of Him. God won't accept it. And in the hereafter, he will be with the losers. Now, I need to share with you some information about that. It is an obligation to have the correct belief in the messengership of Muhammad, peace be upon him. This is narrated on one of his close companions, Abu Huraira, which means, may Allah have mercy on him and accept from him. And it says that the Prophet, peace be upon him, said, I swear by the one who holds my soul in his hand that there is none from amongst the Jews and the Christians who hears about me and then dies without believing in the message which I have been sent except that he will be of the dwellers of the fire. And it means hell. That's recorded in the book of Imam Muslim, Sahih Muslim, book 1, volume 1, the book of faith, and hadith number 240. This is an amazing statement. So now it tells us also in the same that the Prophet peace and blessing be upon him let the people know that one of the things that really messed up the people before us the Christians and Jews is that they took their scribes uh, the rabbis the monks their preachers and teachers as partners alongside of God alongside of Allah now you might say well how is that possible they didn't worship them but then there's a verse in the Quran that says so and this opened up a dialogue Adi bin Hatim who was a former Christian like myself when he came into Islam and he heard this and he said this is what kind of statement is this what does this mean and let me share with you what it says It's in uh, chapter 9, Surah At-Tawbah, verse number 31. It says, The Jews and Christians took their rabbis and their monks to be lords beside Allah. Now, Adi bin Hatim said, How is that possible? They don't worship them. Prophet Muhammad said, Yes, they do. They certainly do. He said, don't they accept the lawful and the unlawful from these people opposing the lawful and unlawful of Allah? In other words, don't they accept something to be halal 
or permitted, but Allah forbid it? And don't they accept something as being haram or forbidden, but Allah did permit it? He said, well, yeah, they do that. He said, in that way, they did worship those people. This is recorded, by the way, uh, in the collection of Imam Ahmad, Imam Thirmidhi, and Ibn Jarir. This is a good hadith and it, uh, or saying of Muhammad, and it is preserved, so we should respect that. He said they do worship them, and how they are worshiping them is by taking halal and haram. Because in Islam we know that there is something called a hima, the Arabic word hima, and it means a private place or a barriered area that you don't go into. Every king has a hima. The Prophet ﷺ said, every king has a hima, a private area, a garden or a place that you don't go into. And the private area or hima for Allah is what is halal and haram. He and he alone tells you what is forbidden. And he and he alone is the one to tell you what is permitted. We can't say out of our own mind, well, I think pork is okay to eat. I don't see a problem with it. And we don't say out of our own mind, oh, I think music and, and dancing around together and everything is no problem. I, I think I can do that. And we also don't make something haram. And we say, well, uh, this is something I don't like, so I'm going to tell everybody they can't do that. If Allah didn't forbid it, then we don't have the right to forbid it. So these things are all a part and parcel of the correct belief. And the correct belief in Allah is to know that He's the lawgiver. He's the creator. He's the sustainer. He is the one who sustains us day by day by day. He gives us life. He gives us breath. He gives us food to eat. There's nothing that we have except that He gave it to us. And He is the one who di dictates and mandates what the laws are. We have free choice. You don't have to obey them. You do not have to obey the law. But you will always wind up being at a loss for doing uh, this disobedience and that's the exact way that Allah describes it in the Quran he will be in a loss min al-khasarin now I say this because our question questioner who asked us about this subject about religions from what I've just said I hope you can understand that all these religions are made up by human beings except the one that God has sent down when he sends a prophet and he tells them, this is what I want, that is not made up. But the people later, after that prophet, try to invent things and try to make up things, throw away things, and misrepresent what was said. And I would like to take a case in point. The prophet Musa, called Moses in English, very clearly brought commandments from Mount Sinai to his people. And the first and foremost of all those commandments was what? And by the way, just in case you didn't know it, I carry a Bible with me too. Because I know that that's the same exact Bible here that they have in all of the <laughs> hotels and motels. And anybody can get access to this and you can check out what I said. The Bible doesn't say what a lot of preachers teach. This book, the Bible, even today in English, even the translation, still contains the message that came with the prophets before. Of course, people have tried to change it and play with it. But it still has some of the message. One of the places that you can find that is in the book of Deuteronomy. And if you look to the book of Deuteronomy, and look in chapter 5 with me. Just take a minute and see what it says. Verse 6. Chapter 5, verse 6. And I'm, I'm looking at it right here. I'll read it to you, but... Uh, 
just so you'll know. Okay? That's the book of Deuteronomy. Chapter 5, verse 6. I am the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of, of Egypt, the house of bondage. You shall not have other gods before me. You shall not make for me any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in the heaven above, on the earth beneath, or that is in the waters beneath the earth. You shall not bow yourself down to them. You shall not serve them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. I visit the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and to the fourth generation of them that hate me. And I show mercy unto the thousand of them that love me and keep my commandments. And keep my what? Commandments. Thou shalt not take the name of your Lord God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that takes his name in vain. And they, and they continue. The rest are there about honoring the parents, keeping the Sabbath, not killing and not lying and not bearing false witness, not stealing, not having illegal sex. All of that are that's commandments. Not having jealousy for each other. That's in what book? Deuteronomy chapter 5 verse 6. Now, just in case you thought that might be a strange thing, it's only in one place, let me share with you that it's not. Here's another place, same thing again. And let's take a look. This is in Exodus Chapter 20. Read with me if you got a Bible. Those of you that are Christian, Jewish. And it says, And speak all these words. This is God is telling Moses what to say. I am the Lord your God. It doesn't mean Moses should say I'm God. It means that God said he was God. I am the Lord your God that brought you out of the land of Egypt, the house of bondage. You shall not have any other gods before me. You shall not make unto me any graven image of any likeness of anything that is in the heaven above or in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth, you shall not bow yourself down to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children of the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Is it important to keep the commandments? Now, some preachers I have heard say, no, 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 no. That was just, uh, you know, Old Testament. That's Old Testament. That's just for the Jews. But Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. And in so doing, he showed us that we no longer have to keep the commandments. And such as uh, circumcision, we don't have to do anymore. Paul said that circumcision is circumcision of the heart. Paul said that we don't have to worry about eating the pork anymore. Paul said a little wine for your stomach is good. Paul said, Paul said. Paul also said he was dead to the law. All of the commandments. He said he was dead to them because the commandments are what made him a sinner. And if it weren't for the commandments, he wouldn't be a sinner. Therefore, he's dead to that. He also said that when he's with the Jews, he's a Jew. He also said that when he's with the Romans, he's a Roman citizen. He also said when he's with the pagans, he's one of them. And when he's with the Christians, he's one of them. He said he was all things to all people. Now, we got a word for that. We got a clear word for that in Arabic. Nefak or monafik. And in English, hypocrite, two-faced. Let me show you something. 
This is Matthew. Matthew is saying Jesus said something. Take a look. Matthew chapter 5. Let me read to you. Verse 17 is where I'll start. Jesus is supposedly saying here. Now do you take Jesus' word or Paul? Think about what is being said. This is in contrast to Paul. Paul and Jesus are not saying the same thing. Let's listen. Jesus says. Do not think I have come to destroy the law. That means the commandments. That means the Torah or the Old Testament law. The commandments. And there are hundreds of commandments there. I did not come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy but rather to fulfill. For verily I say unto you until heaven and earth pass away. Not a jot nor one tittle shall in any wise pass from the law. Till all things be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of the least of the commandments and teach others thus so he shall be the least in the kingdom of heaven but whoso shall do and teach them the commandments the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven for I say unto you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of these scribes and Pharisees. He's talking about the people in control of the temple. You shall in no way enter into the kingdom of heaven. Is that clear or no? How many verses have I found in this Bible right here where Jesus is insisting that they keep the commandments? Keep the commandments. If you love me, you will love the Father and you will keep the commandments. And if you love the Father, you will obey me and follow the commandments. Or words to this effect throughout the New Testament. Keep the commandments. You want to go to paradise? Jesus said, keep the commandments. Now, we've got another book here. Another book. This book is called the Holy Quran. For those of you not familiar with it, it's not in English. What you're seeing here is an attempt to try to bring it to English from the Arabic. Very difficult task, to say the least. What we're seeing here, though, is that if you would like to know the essence of what God has commanded in the Bible, read the Quran. Because this Quran confirms that the original Bible, in fact, came from where? This Quran came from the same source, the very same source as the Bible. It came from God. And God is God. There's only one God. And He has no partners. And He has no associates. And He has no board of directors. He has no sons. He has no daughters. And there's only one of Him. And if you want success in this life and in the next life, then you got to do one thing. You have to acknowledge there's only one God. And you have to agree to obey His commandments. You don't have to obey me. I'm nobody. You don't have to obey any of us. No. But if you want to know what He said, you want to know what He wants you to do, then it's your responsibility, it's your obligation to investigate and learn. We can make it easy for you as much as we can to know more about the Quran. This same exact book I'm holding in my hand right here, this translation of the meaning, it's not the Quran because when you go to another language it won't be the Quran anymore but a translation of the meaning if you if you follow my meaning a translation 
of the meaning of the Quran. You can get it online. You can go to our website. You can download it. We can show you how to do that. All you have to do is go to islamtomorrow.com and then put a slash after that, put free, and then click this, go to it, and download this uh, and install this program for yourself. And then you can investigate this for your for your own uh, pleasure. That's one of the services we provide online. And we have other things, books and so on that are free there as well. The main point I'm trying to make here though for our friend who is asking about made up religions. For sure we agree with you. That any man-made religion is not going to be acceptable to God. And yes, you're right. They are done for deceptive purposes to gain control over individuals. But you might say, well, how do I know Islam is not one of them? We want you to ask that question. Because it means then that your mind is thinking. It means now you're going to use some kind of criteria to decide which is right, which is wrong. A rational, logical person would have to use some type of evidence and set a criteria before they begin to investigate to determine what is true and what is false. They would first of all remove any preconceived notions, bias, or prejudices that they would hold in their mind or heart. That would be number one. Number two, they would take a piece of paper or something similar that is blank and start from zero and begin to say to themselves, what can I prove? What do I know? What can I say that is testable evidence? Can I rely on the Bible in the English language? Can I? Well, is there more than one version? Answer is, there are over 800 as far as I know today. Therefore, which one would you take? Because they're not the same. If they were the same, they wouldn't be a different version, would they? Can I rely on the Hindu Sanskrit? They don't have all of it anymore. What they do have is preserved in some in their ancient language and people are not exactly sure what it is. The teachings of Confucius are very mixed up with some of their folklore and you can't be sure what that was. In fact, there is not extant on this earth today any single document which is the same as it was uh, centuries ago when these religions were being offered to the people. Not a single document except one. This one right here. It exists today. This is not an opinion. This is a fact. Not that I'm saying this in English. No, obviously not, because English did not exist even a thousand years ago. It was when the Normans invaded the Saxons in the year 1066 AD that the English language was established. Prior to that, there was no English language. So how could I accept anything in English and say that this is correct? How? No. It had to be in the original language. The Quran is still available in the Arabic language. And if you said, well, wait a minute, how do I know it's for real? How do I know what we have today is what they had then? A couple of points. First of all, Quran does not mean a book. Bible literally means book. This word Bible means book. That's what it means. And the book doesn't exist today in original form. Quran means recitation. That which is being recited. And it does exist today in the various 
styles of recitation that the Prophet, peace be upon him, approved of. Yes, there are different styles, but there's no two Qur'ans. There's no two Qur'ans. There's only one. And this Qur'an was recited by the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, in front of his companions. They, in turn, memorized it totally, and they wrote it down. He, peace be upon him, never wrote a word. Why? Because he didn't know how to write. Didn't know how to read either. So, they wrote it down. They wrote it, and they preserved it in their hearts, in their minds, and that is how it was passed down. Generation upon generation, from mouth to ear, and from ear into the heart, and they memorized it, and then they passed it on to their generations after them. Today, you can meet someone who has memorized the entire Quran, who learned it from his teacher, who learned it from his mentor, who got it from his teacher, from his teacher, and from his sheikh, and from his imam, whatever, all the way back to the Prophet Muhammad. Peace and blessing be upon him. And every one of them has to be checked out word for word, dot for dot, jot for jot. Just like we heard in the Bible, it said that Jesus is saying not a jot or a dot or a tittle will in any ways be compromised from the law. And how would that be possible if you look to the Bible and said, well, it doesn't exist in its original form? That's true. There are some copies. There are very good copies. And some pieces of, of whole books, no whole Bible anywhere, but still they got some pretty good copies. But they don't have an original. The Quran is still original in the recitation that's being recited today by memory by every Muslim on the earth. There's no Muslim on the earth that doesn't know some of the Quran. Even if it's Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, and all of us know that. That's the original Arabic language. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. And again, Muslims know that. You won't find Muslims that have been Muslim very long that don't know how to say Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. And we're saying all Muslims. Think about it. I know that's a little hard to fathom because most people have lived in their own little shell, in their own little box, in their own little world, and they think everybody speaks English. And the fact is that the majority of Christians on the earth today don't speak English. The majority of Christians today do not speak English. And they don't even use the word God. They have different words. majority of Christians today are Catholics, Orthodox, then the Protestants. And even the Protestants throughout other countries don't speak English. Whereas all Muslims everywhere are speaking the Arabic when they refer to the language. We all say Allah. There's no Muslim who doesn't know that Allah is what we call the one and only God. In fact, check this out. Christian Arabs, Jewish Arabs, also say Allah. I have the Arabic Bibles, right here. And you can see on page 1, look for yourself, page 1, and you'll find 17 times on the first page in Genesis, the word Allah, 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 Allah. Why? Because that is the word in Arabic for the one and only God. Why a religion at all? Why does there have to be a religion? 
And the answer to that one is also simple. Because this life is not the final life. We witness it every day. How could we be so blind as to think that this is the paradise? Everybody who enters leaves. Everybody enters into this world from the womb of their mother. They live a life for a predetermined number of seconds and then they die. Nobody enters except they die. Nobody enters this life except that they die. So that being the case, it means this is not permanent. Why? When you're just going to be somewhere temporary, would you want to establish all of your wealth there? When you leave, you leave your wealth behind. Why would you want to build up something in a place that you can't stay? Make yourself as comfortable as you need, but then move on. Don't fall in love with this world because you're not staying. I'm not staying. This is not our permanent residence. And there must be a permanent residence. And the one who created all that we see in the universe is capable of creating more, isn't he? And what about the next life? And what would be the purpose of going through this life if there were no next life? And what would be the purpose of creating to start with if there were no ultimate reason behind it? This is a chance. You and I, we have a chance. A chance to do what we've been created to do. To the best of our ability. We can accept or reject the challenge. If we reject, we will be the losers. If we accept, we will be the winners. It is as simple as that. What we experience in this life is determined only by Almighty Allah. He gives us the test. Then we can either accept to do our best or reject. He tells us also in his book, his final revelation, the last testament, I call it, the last and final testament to mankind, has a statement in here. I'd like to share it with you. I'd like you to think about this. It's in Surah Al-Dariyat, chapter 51 of the Quran. Chapter 51. And he tells us in here a beautiful statement. He said, And I, meaning Allah, have created the mankind and jinn only for the purpose of worship to me. You've been created to worship God alone without partners. doesn't mean you just have to pray all the time, every single day, just sit in a corner and pray. What it means is that when you do worship, your worship is to Him and to Him alone. And everything in your life can have worship in it. As in, when I go through the daily life and I need something, I can ask Him. And when I'm thankful about something, I can thank Him. And when I'm appreciative of anything that I have, I can remember Him. And when I want to be uh, alone, I can be alone with Him. And all of this is coming from one source, from Him and from Him alone. Let us now come to a conclusion in our program. Let us realize that everybody has to come to their understanding at their own speed, at their own pace. We're not asking everybody to immediately just jump out here and say, okay, I'm a Muslim and start growing their beard or start wearing a head cover or anything or start even praying. The first and foremost thing is to ask yourself the logical question, is there a God? And then look around you and see where did everything come from? It didn't come out of an exploding rock. People didn't come out of monkeys. By the way, if that's true, how come we still have so many monkeys? 
<laughs> Some of them were elected to political office. <laughs> so the point here, <laughs> the point here is just realize there's God. And then establish your own personal walk with God. Your walk with the Almighty. That's what it's all about. Just realize there's God and you want to please Him. Ask Him to guide you. And if He doesn't guide you, who will? It won't be me. It won't be anybody because He is the guide. Allah. God Almighty. The one who created. The one who sustains. The one who is the judge. He is also the guide. So just say these words. Oh God, guide me. Guide me. And then he'll guide you. As he's guided so many others before. May Allah always guide the true believers. Amen. And may all of us turn to him and ask him for our guidance. Amen. You've been listening to Islam Always. Broadcasting always right here. Online. Live and then recorded programs. Rebroadcast. 24 hours a day. Always open. And always plenty of free parking.